I could almost see in my head, you know, Coach Greg Marshall going into Joe Demore's office and saying, Joe, we got to run the football more, goddammit. Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. Me and Nate are back on the pod to review a pretty wild week two in the OUA. Uh, Nate, week one was such a joy. Obviously, a lot of question marks, uh, not getting to see Laurier perform, a lot of was this bad team, good team, like what was sort of the formula for some of those outcomes. We definitely learned some more out of this wild slate of games. We're now about two hours off of the end of that Guelph game. What are your sort of first thought major takeaways from a pretty, pretty enjoyable weekend of football? Well, I mean, it's important to remember going into the weekend, you know, it felt like we were all pretty chalk. In our picks, you know, we were all kind of debating yeah. where where we wanted to mix it up. You know, we had a, a situation with Tom wanting to go U of T and he <laughs> went back on it. You know, me trying to go bold with the Laurie over Western pick. And it turns out we were all wrong. So I feel like going into that Sunday, you know, I felt pretty confident in ourselves. But uh, it turns out the past 24 hours, uh, turns out we were pretty wrong. And, uh, you know, I have to kind of reconsider generally what I think about the OUA and really kind of what's going on after Western and Queens and kind of that middle of the pack right now, because there's a lot of different things that happened. Yeah. Um, you know, as a, as a fellow ambassador of the brand, my apologies for some stray arrows you took uh, being at varsity stadium. Um, we can talk about that a bit more when we get to that game. Um, but yeah, you know, I guess we'll just dive into it as we go game by game and all the different uh, sort of machinations. Um, but just between the play on the field, some of the wild weather uh, out in the Ottawa region and the Kitchener uh, region as well, having an OUA game finishing like near midnight on Saturday. Um, you know, all things considered, a big thumbs up, I'd say, on the whole. Let's start with a little hardware. Uh, acknowledge some of the top performers from this from this week. Uh, Nate, who are you going with first? Well, I'm going to go from the game I just watched and kind of, you know, the shocking sort of dominance, really, that we saw from the Windsor Lancers and more specifically Joey Zorn. Um, just a huge day overall in the run game, you know, obviously a huge 80-yard run, but then it seemed like time after time he was sort of, you know, getting more yards than he should in the run and then even contributing a little bit in the passing game as well. Really, I mean, sort of. You know, I don't want to say he put the team entirely on his back because I, you know, that running game in general was terrific, even with the second ball carrier there. But I mean, you know, really kind of carrying them to the victory over Guelph in uh, what was pretty surprising uh, for at least uh, most of us neutral observers. Hey, uh, even someone who, uh, you know, well, I guess even more surprising with my Guelph background. But yeah, Joey Zorn is looking like an absolute beast. Um, it's going to be great to see what his end of the year production is going to look like. For myself, I mean, Zorn, I, you know, I'd love to double down on that one, but some other great performances, you know, it'd be easy to shout out any number of guys from uh, the Purple Ponies, but, you know, a guy I really just want to be able to highlight, I, I kind of brought him up last week in just not having nearly as uh, productive a game as he did on Saturday, or pardon me, on, on Sunday night, but a guy who's just been in the UFT Blue system for a number of years and uh Probably had one of his best games running the ball for them. It's Adam Williams uh, finishing with 19 carries, 149 on the ground. You know, th that fumble uh, on the one or whatever it is, that obviously that hurts, but clearly it didn't hurt enough in the grand scheme to cost him that game. And uh, 
you know, you were there and we'll get more into sort of that experience and what it was like seeing the Blues pick up that win at home. Um, but yeah, great game by him running the ball. And, and you, know, uh, you know, we talk about some of the surprises this week in a rushing matchup between Adam Williams and Josh Ferguson. Um, you know, gun to my head, I'd be picking Josh Ferguson to win that battle every single time. And he was outdueled grossly by Williams. Um, yes, I know Western fans, you are crying into your iPod or iPod. Who's listening to this on an iPod? And your iPhone or Samsung, whatever, that we're not mentioning any of the guys uh, from your squad. But trust me, we'll get to that briefly. Defense, who did you like this week? Um, you know, uh, it's, it's always hard to go for guys who uh, come out in a losing effort. But uh, just one play that was outstanding, uh, again, from the Windsor-Guelph game, was um, Brad KMU. Uh, with a terrific, you know, 40-yard pick six, kind of reading off an RPO and snagging uh, the, the ball from the slicer coming around the corner there. Uh, just was a terrific play and really uh, thought it would be the one that would save the game for Guelph, but uh, Windsor kept fighting back and really ended up nulling that out in the end, but really was a terrific play uh, and, and capped off a great game for him. Yeah, no, I, I had a similar um, inkling towards the linebacker for Guelph as far as picking... Uh, defensive player of the game in uh, Brandon Farigo, but you know he finished with nine and a half tackles. It's tough though when you're a linebacker on a team that gives up almost 200 yards to one single back. So I turn to the Mac York game, and I'm going to give it up to Devonte Ballantine. Two interceptions on the day. I mean, you don't need too much more than that. I mean, some people are probably going to argue that. I mean, well, someone's got to pick off Noah Craney at least twice in the game. Um, <laughs> As Nate uh, makes a face, uh, I've been t- hey, I've been told I'm too mean to York. I've been told I'm not mean enough to York. I don't know. It, anyways, but Ballantine, two interceptions. I mean, hell of a performance. Um, and I'm sure we'll note some other guys um, across the league as we continue through the games. Um, special teams. I believe we're in lockstep on this one. Um, but unless you're gonna throw a curveball to me, um, I think we're going with the. Uh, you know, it's, it seems like the first time we have a new kicker in the tri-colors for the Golden Gales in, I mean, since seemingly, I was playing. <laughs> okay, is that, that's, okay, I had a hunch that might have been the case, but Tyler Mullen, um, so far having a really productive game, um, four for four on the day and in a game that finished with a 10 point victory. I mean, that's huge. And of course, given the, the weather that was, uh, you know, causing mass disruptions in that game, um, really strong performance by, uh by the young Mullen there. Um, So those are our hardware for the week. And uh, I guess nothing else to it but to do it. And let's start with the first game on Saturday. The uh, York Lions going to McMaster and falling short to the score of 39-1. to McMaster picking up their first win of the season at home in front of what looked like a good crowd and a crowd that included a, uh, a possibly intoxicated Tom Sterling. Now... As much as I'm sure McMaster would love to see an alumni like Tom Sterling in the crowd with his friends, former teammates, they might have might have actually wanted him on the field because it seems like the trend that's continued from last year for McMaster in terms of an offensive line that hasn't been able to protect Duick is continuing. And I know me and Tom talked about this going into this game, which is that Mac's going to get this win. Mac, you know, out of all the... All the, all the surprises that we saw this weekend, it, this would have been, you know, cats and dogs living together type of thing for York to have beaten Mac at home. But there's still those indicators of a, a true success for a team that goes beyond the win or loss column. And 
the lack of ability to protect Duick and Justice Allen's still not back, and that's obviously going to have a big effect on their running game, but their inability to really run effectively either is huge. So they pick up the 38-point win at home, but I got to say, like, it, what are your thoughts on this Master Marauder team and just this game in general? No, I mean, I was keeping an eye on this one early, and I think, you know, what was really telling is uh... – having you know someone who's a big supporter of the program like uh tom sterling in the game and uh you know i think he just had to be carried out of the beer tent at one point because he just uh, you know, was <laughs> drinking so much he did not like what he was seeing and uh you know i don't know if he made it to the end of that game but uh i mean it just wasn't impressive like is i mean you know obviously kind of just looking at the box or whatever you're like yeah yeah no need to look any deeper into this but i think you know, some of the issues that we've been talking about with Mac for a while are still around. And I think, you know, kind of going into later weeks, we're going to ask ourselves, you know, are we they are we going to lose a couple more games than we think? You know, um, a game against Ottawa next week where you think before the season, you know, probably have most people leading Mac. But I mean, now at this point in time, you know, allowing six sacks to a York team and kind of an offense that sure, I mean, at the end of the day, found its footing and put up some passing yards. Maybe there's a bit of a silver lining there, but still Miami's not firing on all cylinders. So I think next week is going to be, you know, a real big test for Mac. And I mean, you know, one and run right now. I mean, going to one and two, that's, it's, it's you know, that's how it is in the OUA. There's every wins, every game, every game is a must win game to some extent. So uh, the pressure's on early in the season for them, I think. Yeah. And, you know, as far as a few, definitely some positives for this one for Mac, you know, Obviously, as you mentioned, not seeing um, Justice Allen again. Uh, young receiver and Jacob Patton finished four receptions, 78 yards, but also had a, a, a massive uh, reception. I don't recall if he ended up scoring on I think he did score on it, but it was called back uh, due to a hold or something like that. Once again, issue on the offensive line. Um, so seeing that, you know, um, a, a target like that, I mean, Jackson Cooling, uh, David Bazo, some of the receivers that have been there with uh with Duick. So I mean that's the thing is that York's a tough litmus test for just what's going right with your team. You know, the wins doesn't say that much. It's it's really those those holes that are going to be eh, maybe it's, a bit shot. The eye test Zach, this still counts for something, you know. We get all these nerds out here on Twitter uh, talking about analytics and whatnot, but at the end of the day, you know, when you when you're there in the flesh, it's uh you can get a good a good gist for how the team's operating. Yeah, no, most definitely. And for York, you know, uh, still no Avante uh, McCoy. Um, doesn't didn't look like um, Darnell Jarrett was playing. So I mean, you know, Melkis Alunga, who scored their only touchdown against Waterloo, getting the bulk of the carries, thirteen fifty one yards. Obviously, those two players, whenever they're back in the fold for York, it'll be helpful. But I mean, it's it's tough, you know, obviously as we, we highlight some players on defense for them that, you know, make plays, um, you know, Jason John Vier Messier, uh, at defensive end, two sacks for himself on the game, Matt Dean, a really strong defender there for linebacker. But this game was really about, yeah, Mac had to pick up the win. They were gonna, but then were those holes still going to be there? Um, you know, it seemed it was hot day, humid as heck. Tom can speak to that as well as anyone. Um, and I think we saw Noah Craney come out at times with, uh, you know, it looked maybe like they were treating a bit of heat exhaustion. What, what did you think to uh, Mac going to, to Keegan Hall late in the game? You know, games out of reach, 
Obviously, Dua could take in five sacks at that point. It's a hot day. But for an offense that, you know, and and I'll be and to be fair, Duick 26 for 34, 338, two touchdowns. Those are nice numbers. But just for a team that hasn't really shown too much stuff yet offensively, uh, did you th- I mean, for all the reasons that it made sense to put in Hall, did there's part of me thinking, like, you know what, this offense still needs to get its groove going. Like Keep Duick in, or did you think that was the safe bet, giving the the heat, giving the n- number of hits he'd already taken? Uh, I mean, the thing is, you also have to consider is York's usually generally a pressure team, and you know you kind of never know what's going to happen in that regard. <laughs> like we already no, mentioned, man, it's a it's a porous O line. So at the end of the day, you know, as much as you want to get things in line, you know, you still have to keep your season alive. And if you lose, you know, Duick, all your kind of hopes of whatever you even think you can be, you know, despite all these issues, kind of you know, not entirely go down a drain because I think Keegan Hall is a very capable uh, young quarterback, let's say, but um, he's not kind of the the fifth year guy going out for his last hurrah and what that kind of pressure that puts on the program. So, uh, you know, still uh, some practice time left in the week to get it right. But um, yeah, I think, you know, better safe than sorry as always. No, for sure. And hey, I would have been the first one on here, you know, screaming if Duick got hurt late in that game to be like, why is he still in the game? He's already got sacked all these times. And all. It just it kind of stood out where I was like, eh, you know, but nonetheless, uh, York will try and pick up their first win of the season as they go to Ottawa to take on the Carlton Ravens next week. Max stays at home to take on the Ottawa GGs. Um, me and Tom will talk about those games uh, later in the week when we do our week three preview. But let's go to the Saturday night contests and let's start with Western at Laurier. Laurier opening up their season and their home season at that as well. Uh, losing to the Mustangs. Final score, Western 34, Laurier 19. <clears throat> uh, you know, Tom and I spoke about that for Laurier, much like a lot of these teams, a number of question marks. How's Algersma going to look like in his second year? Getting a decent amount of playing time in his first. Uh, what's the rushing attack of Nelms and Quentin Scott, a guy that I know you were really bullish on who came on hot late in the year last year? Um, who's going to step up at the receiver position with a guy like Ente Aguavon leaving the program? And then defensively, you know, losing a guy like Will Amoa and Christian Hutter Coppin in your secondary um, are two big holes to uh, to have to fill. And, uh, you know, those questions can be tough to gauge against a team like Western where, hey, you know, the best of the best lose this team. It's not necessarily a mark against what you have going and what you have going well. What was your impression of this fairly young Laurier team uh, against the team that many people are are looking to at least make an appearance in a Vanier Cup again this year, if not perhaps take it? No, I think if you're a Laurier fan, you have to be happy. I mean, kind of coming into this game and, you know, I mean, it, it, again, this is where we kind of have to reconsider because Western coming off uh, a game against Guelph, a team we all had high hopes for, but maybe, you know, our expectations have changed somewhat, but coming into this one, you know, you'd be kind of happy to, to keep it close and get in the mix. You want to take away positives because I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, the way that this Western offense is going to click and sort of the continuity that it already has in place, you know, you're not going to be at that same point in time, especially, you know, it's your first game of the season. It's their second game of the season. All those things come into effect. And I think the biggest bright spot for me is, is kind of that Laurier passing game. I mean, really kind of hit and miss last year, even, you know, when Carousella was in the game, you know, it wasn't really anything setting the world on fire. Um, but I mean, in that game, you know, being able to complete, complete those, you know, long second downs from time to time can make such a huge difference from for an offense and sustaining drives and those things. And, you know, Algorithm's numbers, they're not going to set the world on fire. Um, but 
you know, I think it's really solid. And again, you know, I'm going to bring back that eye test, but it's a guy who is, you know, making plays on script, making the right reads, throwing the ball in time, but also had the ability to move around a bit and make throws on the run. So, I mean, kind of for me, another theme of this week is kind of seeing this kind of next generation of quarterback coming up, you know, Hillock being one of them, obviously, but now a guy like Elgersman, you know, we'll talk about Kinsale Phillip later on, but kind of, you know, we kind of see where, you know, the bricks are being laid for kind of the future of the passing game in the OUA. And I think if you're Laurier, you know, sure, we lost to Western, big whoop. Everyone said we were going to anyways, but I think you got to take away more more positives than not, to be honest. Yeah, and, and much like much like what Toronto did, perhaps having us reevaluate where we think they might stack up with some other games coming down the line, um, and also same with teams like, say, Mac or Guelph. Um, you know, for Laurier, it's it's really makes some of these matchups they have coming up very interesting now that we at least think we know what we think we know about some of these other teams um i think that was a really good breakdown of, of elgersma and yeah his mobility and i think that's sometimes you know sacked five times i think a few times him trying to maybe hold on to it uh, a little bit long uh, he's a big kid i mean you know he, he's he's going on my list right next to james keena's guys where it's like just slide man just slide but uh you know a, very, a gutty performance and a lot of good things for that laurier team you mentioned evan hillock's name Finishes 15 for 20, 249, and and four touchdowns, three of which go to his uh, uh, St. Thomas Moore counterpart and Savon uh, Magne Jones finishing three touchdowns, 145 uh, yards on just five receptions. Uh, Justin Nixon picking up the other touchdown for uh, for Western. Um, for, the, for the Mustangs, you know... <laughs> We can just extol all the virtues of the things they have going well and pretty much every component of the game. But, you know, they, they did their thing rushing the ball, even though it felt like Laurier did a, a, a decent job in the first half, keeping uh, some of those runners in check. Keon Edwards finishing up for 127, Wanadi with 101. Um, and I feel like Laurier, pardon me, what Western knows that pretty much any given Saturday, Sunday, whenever they're playing, they can run the ball effectively. Do you feel like, there was a certain emphasis on trying to get Hillock going a bit more. I mean, they could just hand that ball off and win all these games, but to get to where they want to go in the long run, that passing attack needs to be as formidable as the running attack. And they have all the pieces for it to be. So did you feel like there was any more emphasis on being like, Hey, you know what? Yeah, we can just keep running the ball and running the ball and get this win, but we need to make sure that we have all facets on offense going, or was this just the game plan working as they thought it would? Well, I mean, yeah, it's one thing to say, to get him going. But I think that was in part kind of why they got off to such a slow start last week is they kind of, you know, got off the run a bit earlier. Maybe it was trying to be a bit too cute early in the game, but that was not the case this time around. Um, I mean, for Western, you know, it's always going to be about running the ball. It's always going to be about establishing the run and then going to play action. And then because that's when you're going to light it up. You know what I mean? If I'm Western, you know, maybe if I want to surprise someone in the playoffs or something, I'll come out and start throwing the ball. But the reality of the situation is, your running game is going to be there 99% of the time and you're going to be able to set up play action and make those throws, you know, when you get, even if you're in a second and seven, teams are still going to be afraid of you running the ball. Like no one else in the league can say that, you know, it's an advantage that no one has. And, you know, obviously if you're a guy like Evan Hillock, all you're going to do is thrive off it. You know, I'm sure there are plenty of other teams in the league that would be happy to have them as a starting quarterback. But, you know, uh, to be a quarterback in that Western Mustangs offense, you know, must be a, a pretty lovely uh, experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes oh yes i can imagine like a kid in a candy shop um you, you know for um um 
I think it was only in the second half I really took note of Western for uh, a stretch of uh, uh, drives where they were going no huddle and they were just handed off to a naughty swap out with Edwards head and it's just you know when they start doing that and just start picking up big chunk yards at a time that's really where it's like you know you've poked the bear and they're really coming out swinging and just for them to be able to just rotate those guys in they have definitely argue or arguably the best offensive line in the country um my goodness I mean <laughs> it's uh it's 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 unfair, really, um, <laughs> for both these teams. Uh, well, I should say Western returning home next week where they take on your Queens Golden Gales in a 7 p.m. start only night game of the week on Saturday. So definitely going to be a lot of eyes on that for Laurie. They're traveling to Toronto to take on the frisky varsity blues um, after picking up that win against Carlton that we'll get to briefly uh, for now. We'll go to the other Saturday night game. You know, without doing any homework on this, perhaps the longest game in OUA history, uh, 7 p.m. start delayed until about at least 730. It felt like for lightning in the area and then had a massive delay, I believe, shortly into the first quarter. But it ended nonetheless on Saturday night, I believe before midnight, but not very far uh, long before uh, is the Queens Golden Gales picking up the win in Ottawa. Queens 26, the GGs 16. This was a uh, the game that uh, you know uh, myself and, and Tom was in agreement calling you know the sexiest game of the weekend. You know it's rare if I don't think ever in the OEA we can say these are two teams that played each other three times last year. That familiarity is obviously there, um, and just the the proximity to one another. These are two teams that know each other quite well. Uh, you can speak to that as well as anyone, just knowing some of the players on both sides. And you know I I think this game, you know. Queens, I think, is the better team. I think that's fair. I think pe- most people would say that. And I think this is a product of just towards the end, hard for the GGs to kind of just keep up with what Queens was able to do. But really impressive performance by uh, by both clubs. But I really liked what I saw out of Ottawa um, after picking up that win on the road against Windsor in their first week. What did you make of this game um, <laughs> if you were able to keep your eyes peeled on it for the full duration? Yeah, I mean... You know, it was a really trippy affair. Um, you know, one matchup in particular that I really kind of enjoyed watching throughout the game was uh, Richard Burton going up against Kevin Victom. Uh, it seemed like every time, you know, there was a catch or an incompletion on, those guys were drawing back and forth kind of every time. Uh, and obviously, you know, Burton ends up getting that huge catch in front of the Ottawa sideline late in the game. And, you know, it kind of gives a little stare down. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you play, you know, a team – three times the year before and kind of you could tell this is kind of you know two teams know each other very well I mean and kind of know what kind of shots they're going to pull um kind of like you said a lot of positives for Ottawa and I think kind of in that first half it was really born out it was really you know incredibly even game um Ottawa having that long um I don't think it was a was it a touchdown pass um that really kind of gave them the lead but like you said it was just kind of being able to sustain what they were doing. And like, again, the second week in a row, we kind of see that Queens defense put the clamps on the second half because it was only a three point second half for the Ottawa GGs. And, you know, it was that secondary, um, you know, coming downhill late in the game, especially those last couple drives. I mean, it was slim pickings for, for Ben Merrico looking out there. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see kind of what happens next week. And, you know, going into that Western game, Queens could feel pretty good, but I think, Ottawa at the same time, like you were, you were right there for a lot of the game and a lot of positives as well. So, you know, a team that 
isn't obviously not at the same stage as Queens, where Queens is a kind of a contending thing. But Ottawa, definitely a team that's kind of ascending up, you know, our hypothetical power rankings, let's say, uh, after this one. Yeah, and you know, coming out of that major delay, the not the one that opened the game, but that delayed it partway through the first. Keenan goes for the deep bomb to Burton, you know, just misses the just misses him. That would have been a big TD. And then, yeah, I think it was on. on I don't know if it was Ottawa's next drive, but yeah, uh, Miracle able to hook up with Dembongi, um for the 75 yard um, touchdown on that one. Um, you know, you mentioned Kevin Victome's name on the defensive side, um, you know, a guy who's been really consistent for them in coverage. And I don't say this to like in any way take a veiled shot, but was really impressed with what seems to be an improved commitment to making tackles as well. A guy that I definitely remember from a few years going now where, you know, he can shut a guy down, but if the guy, if he's going up against the ball care, not always the most consistent guy, but Eric Cumberbatch, another guy in that defensive uh, secondary who had a really standout game, Christopher Cyril, James Peters, um, you know, a, a team where, just year after year, um, even if you're not familiar with all the names, and there are still some familiar names in this team, and specifically that secondary and in linebacking core, but a, a team that you know usually will hang their hat defensively. Um, no, and I think you know, that's like a yeah. I mean, as kind of the season goes on, it'll be interesting to see kind of where that secondary ends up because I mean, you know, Windsor's passing game isn't gonna you know scare the heebie-jeebies out of you, but kind of. You know, you could tell it was hard for Queens to move the ball through the air. Um, you know, obviously a big pass or two here and there, but it was really like from both these teams, not really too much of a case of methodical offense throughout the game. It was really kind of choppy. Um, and, you know, really where I think the game is won for Queens is kind of James Keenan's ability to move the ball at his feet. I mean, so many times, you know, whether it be scrambling and finding a guy downfield or just carrying it himself, I think that was really kind of the difference in the game was that extra – you know, ability to keep the offense moving, whereas, you know, Ottawa would stutter, you know, he would have that ability to kind of keep things rolling uh, for Queens. Yeah. And, and, you know, looking at, looking at the rushing attacks for both these teams, um, you know, Queens being able to slow down JP Simonkinda, uh, JP only finishing with 75 on the ground, uh, no touchdowns. I mean, with guys like Ethan Martin, Walter Caraban um, in that linebacking core, I mean, it's, it's a stout team to try and run the ball on. Um, but for the Queen side of, of things, uh, Anthony Souls finished with 96 and one touchdown. James Keenan picking up some yardage. Uh, Jared Kasari as well. No Jared Blackman. Um, no Jared Blackman sighting in this game. And we saw him not only run the ball extremely effectively week one against UFT, but have that massive um, the missed kick, uh, missed field goal touchdown, I believe it was. Yeah, at the end of the first half. Um, don't know anything about that stats. Don't know if you've heard anything, but, you know, it's it's. You know, for the first year uh, back out of London, uh, an impressive start, obviously, with the runners they have. And I include Keenan when I say the runners they have. Um, you know, it's it's a wealth of talent they have back there. But based on what we've seen in a very small sample size, you know, if we're really looking at Queens as perhaps the last hope in the OUA to give Western a challenge, you know, it's going to be all hands on deck. And so don't know the status of Blackman, but that, that's definitely going to be something uh, I'm going to be keeping my eye on. No. And that'll be something that comes into play when we're making our picks for next week as well is kind of that. Will he, won't he be there kind of thing? Because, you know, really a guy that has the ability to break the game open. Most definitely. So on that front, we already mentioned Queens taking their show on the road to play Western next week. 
Ottawa also heading on the road to take on Mac at Ron Joyce. We'll move over to the Sunday night affair from Varsity Stadium, the one that you attended live. It was the UFT Blues picking up their first win on the year at home versus Carlton to the tune of 28 to 13. Um, it, we were joking about this before we started recording, and I, I want to pretty much hand it off to you having had the live experience. But there was a moment where I thought, going into the half where the, the the funniest the funniest thing that could ever happen in a week of OEA football would be the York Lions only scoring one point against Mac and losing 39 to 1 and UFT only scoring one point at home and beating Carlton one nothing obviously that wasn't the case the offenses came alive in the second half uh, but you were there you took some straight arrows for the brand you know appreciate you being there and everything what was it what was the vibe like it looked like a great crowd I was tempted to make the drive from London to go see that game um what was the experience well let me address you know the controversy let's say uh, the fight that broke out in the stands between me and some non-dressers uh <laughs> I'm just kidding it, didn't go, it wasn't <laughs> like that uh but you know they let me ha- I don't know there must there must have been someone in there Zach that uh was there when I was coaching, you know, picked me out in the stands, but there, you know, they, they waited to the end of the game, of course, to let me know, but oh, at the 55, you oh, and eight, oh, and eight. And I mean, I just, I said, you know, I hear you. I hear, you, you know, I'm, I'm willing to hear out, you know, some guys that are actually on the field too. I mean, that would be good to kind of hear their opinion, but I mean, those guys in the stands are still, O and O probably as 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 I would see it, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think I mean just but breaking down the game in general. I mean, first off, fucking love varsity center. You know, top tier experience. I'll give it a second in in the conference next to Queens, obviously. Um, but on a night like that, you know, you got the CN Tower lit up in the diff- distance. You know, frost week game, and they really packed the house. I was happily surprised with kind of. Uh, you know, the attendance that they had there, um, over 4,000 people, as it says on the OUA website, um, you know, at times maybe a bit of annoying because, you know, these are kids that don't know exactly what's going on. So a lot of people walking back and forth of your eyesight, you know, not the most ideal. Um, but I mean, and sort of going into that first half or I mean, the game in general, UFT absolutely dominated in terms of the general play. And, you know, what was scary is kind of coming out of that first half. And really, they could have had, you know, let's say two, three scores, and they end up with one point. I just remember, you know, saying to myself that, oh, it's the same old blues. You know what I mean? Like they can't, you know, finish the deal basically and kind of, you know, Carlton's going to get back in this game after halftime. And that third quarter, Carlton came out strong with two scores, but UFT answered right back time and time again and ultimately pulled away in this one. Um, you know, I was really, you know, left the game wanting to say, you know, UFT's for real um, in my opinion, but I just, I feel like I, I don't know that much about Carlton either. And I mean, the ripple effects from this one, as we were kind of talking about is now, what do I think of Toronto? What do I think of Carlton? What do I think about Mac who lost to Carlton, who lost to U of T? And was that Queens win actually surprisingly impressive? You know, these are all questions that will be answered in the future, obviously. Um, but I think having another kind of electric offense in the league, you know, if they're able to sustain this uh, U of T is, is, is tremendous. And, you know, I'm excited to see what they have to offer going forward. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm completely in step with your comments on uh, on varsity as a as a venue to watch a football game and that much more under the lights and a packed crowd and oh, between kicking myself for uh, not going with my heart and wanting to pick U of T and then not being at that game live, a lot of regrets for me on this one. 
Um, let's talk about young Kinsale Phillip um, finishing the game 13 to 24, 213 in the air with one touchdown, also picking up 66 yards on the ground. I believe slightly fewer yards than he got in total against Queens week one, but kind of going back to the story of that game was, I believe it was 211 yards solely in the first half, and then Queens just making whatever adjustments they needed to do. Beckmanis with a half football to sort of digest what they were doing and shut him down. You know, back-to-back really solid performances by the young QB, seeing what he can do on the ground. Um, You know, obviously it's hard to replace a guy like Clay, but it wasn't just Clay they were losing. They are losing, um, you know, Corby, they're losing Lovegrove and, and still guys like LaGood and like McKinnon and, and uh, like Lehman um, and Diodati, guys who have been in that system. But just so far, and obviously still some question marks about Carlton, um, though defensively expect them to be pretty stout. You know, what do you make of, of the young pivot for the UFT Blues? Like we we're kind of mentioning his name amongst Evan Hillock, Elgersma, these young QBs in the league. Um, is he, is he, are you thinking he's legit so far from what you've seen? I mean, in terms of arm talent, I mean, you know, I could tell if, even from when I was coaching there, you know, the guy had, you know, an arm as good as, you know, a lot of guys in the league, you know what I mean? Able to make kind of any throw he wants, you know, even on the run, kind of being able to throw across his body and contort himself in those kind of things. But it was really always going to be kind of about the consistency for him. And, you know, he's obviously figuring that out. And as well as running the ball, I mean, you know, had a tremendous day, as you mentioned, kind of extending drives and that. But this may surprise you, but I think what really kind of opened this game up for the offense was their ability to run the football. Um, and I think last week, last week they got away from it pretty early. And you could tell, you know, I could almost see in my head, you know, Coach Greg Marshall going into Joe DeMore's office saying, Joe, we got to run the football more, God damn it. And, uh, you know, that was borne out. I mean, first drive – Sure, a couple of plays here and there, and boom, they're coming out in double tights and and running RPOs and just running straight up downhill. You know, they're running from under center sometimes. And, you know, obviously we saw Adam Williams have big numbers as, as a result, but, I mean, it really kind of set up the RPOs and things. The one long touchdown to Nigel Good came off an RPO look, um, just a little slant that he happened to break for a long touchdown. So, I mean, if they could stay committed to the run game and kind of keep doing that, then that's going to make all the difference because, I mean, you look at kind of the UFT passing attack over the past couple of years and we could talk about all these guys, but, you know, at a certain point in the season, they always get bogged down, right? And because teams are able to key on it. But I think being able to run the ball like that, um, you know, I think uh, kind of changes the game for that Blues offense. Firstly, I was reminded that after a few podcasts into the season, I have been neglecting to put little sound clips at the beginning of the pod as we had done before. So thank you for giving me the inspiration to absolutely put that beautiful Greg Marshall impression at the start of this episode. Um, And secondly, yeah, on, on the rushing point, like you're bang on if they can get I don't think, you know, is it and we still know all these question marks about Carlton, you know, is it? To be expected that Williams can have this production game in, game out, that's probably a bit lofty. Well, but it was also like Mac Mac wasn't necessarily very committed to the run the last game either. You know what I mean? So one not to sort of, you know, throw shade at Mac, uh, but it almost makes it think even more, but like yeah, maybe it was a lack of commitment to the run, but it's like you couldn't get the run game going against Carlton, and then UFT either proved that all of a sudden whether it's just Joe DeMore's offense in the system, a stronger commitment as you illuminated from that. Um, and, you, you know, know, it is, you know, yeah. I don't want to say like, 
you know, it's in the new coordinator effect, but I, I don't remember you running a ton of double tights last week with, you know, jumbo personnel. So, you know, these are things, but that's the thing too, as a coordinator, being able to mix up personnel uh, and formations makes such a huge difference in preparation week to week for a defense. So, I mean, obviously if U of T is going to be able to continue to mix it up like that, it makes a big difference. Most definitely. Um, in, in recent years, I feel like U of T going double tight is because they just wouldn't be able to block anyone to give Clay the time to throw those massive fades downfield. Obviously, we're now seeing it to the tune of an effective running game. Should be noted, Sam Conte, 80 yards on the ground as well. Lucas Stoikos, 58 in addition as well. So being able to change it up, give different looks as you highlighted. But, you know, for a lot of uh, a lot of OUA fans, it's nice to see uh, UFT pick up a, a very, very convincing win um, at home. All those reasons you mentioned, it's great to watch a UFT game at home. And they will stay at home when they take on Laurier next week. One o'clock start from Varsity. Carlton returns home to take on the York Lions. And as we kind of said with going to that MAC game, and then as a result of it, there are, you know, there are, you're expected to win against York. But there are things that you can very much learn about your squad depending on how that game goes. So I think uh, a very scrutinizing eye on the Carlton Ravens going into that game. Uh, Also a one o'clock start. Um, And that'll take us to the final game of the weekend. The one that just wrapped up a few hours ago. uh, And it was the uh, Windsor Lancers picking up the convincing win on the road at Guelph 28-24 the final don't let that final score fool you. This was a dominant win by by Windsor, and I, I say that for a, a few reasons. One, you already highlighted the the pick six that came for Guelph. That, as you mentioned, looked like it was going to put an end to the ball game when it happened. Kameu um, intercept making the great read on the uh, on the screen, but on the other hand, you know. I, it should be noted, Isaiah Smith uh, looking like a very good talent for the Guelph Griffins running the ball, finishing with 119 yards for with two touchdowns, one of which coming on a third and short near midfield, where he ended up finding space to the end of to the outside of the line and just outran everyone. And not to take away credit from what Smith did, absolutely not. Play, you know, he's got to make the play, and he absolutely did. But you think about those two plays in particular, this massive run by Smith on a third and short from midfield and a pick six off of a screen late in the game. And obviously, if you take those away, well, you know, if ifs and buts, whatever. But, you know, the way that Windsor was able to run the ball just you know, with little to no resistance and then Guelph getting those two scores from those two particular plays. Yeah, this was a beatdown. Uh, what are your what are your fresh thoughts uh, off of this game? Well, as a former quarterback, Zach, uh, <laughs> this was an ugly, ugly football game. Oh my! No one could throw the ball. There's a team. Both teams had basically no passing attack uh, throughout the game, bar a couple completions here or there. So I mean, it was really you know running the ball and playing defense. And Windsor did a lot better job. Um, and I think you know the alarm bells are going off. Uh, at alumni stadium right now um you know it was hard to get zach to come on the pod um you know he wanted to wait till tomorrow he needed some time you know to kind of let this wash over but i mean it was rough and all we have left is questions with guelph um you know trying to bring in this new american quarterback 
you know, who definitely did not have a very impressive game, um, you know, and kind of someone who's learning an entire new, let's say, brand of football, I guess, up here, you know, it's a bit different. And kind of having Sean Law come in for like two, three drives in between. I mean, I just, you know, I just, uh, as a quarterback, to put myself in the shoes of someone having to be thrown in for a couple drives in the game or vice versa, being the guy who's just taken out for a couple drives, like that's really going to, you know, F, mess up your mentality throughout the game and, you know, kind of having confidence as a quarterback. That's the whole game, really. Um, so definitely not ideal. But, you know, also at the same time, you have to understand they weren't really doing anything either. So it's kind of, you know, how do we get the juice going um, as an offense? Because there really wasn't much going. Uh, Windsor, on the other hand, uh, really lighting the world on fire with the running game, kind of continuing on from last week. Um, Joey Zorn and Christopher John kind of, you know, one, two bunch, you know, Joey Zorn, a bit more of a Bambi character, you know, Christopher John, you know, a bit more of like, a, I don't know if you guys would remember uh, who Mike Tolbert is, you know, an old running back for the Chargers, but kind of a, a smaller, uh, more girth to him, you know, in, in the lower half. So um, really impressed from what I saw after Windsor, you know, I didn't really think that much of them coming after last week against Ottawa, but I mean, now it's you know, if they're able to kind of continue this running game in defense, then, you know, who knows what their fate might be. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned Guelph trotting out the uh, American quarterback, uh, obviously Windsor doing the same with, with Josh Shim, um, but essentially splitting to, well, not quite Danny Skelton ultimately uh, we with, should, uh, we should, should mention that it was, it was drafted. I mean, I mentioned Guelph, but Windsor was even worse with their quarterbacks. Uh, at some points <laughs> it was drive to drive. Um, at one point it was play to play. Um, so, I mean, they were, you know, even more confused in terms of what they want from their quarterback position. Yeah. I, I almost wonder the way that like certain pitchers have like catchers, you know, in baseball that they'll work with on certain days is just like, Hey, are we feeding Christopher John? Okay. Let's get Skelton in there to hand it off to him. Oh, we're going to feed Joey Zorn on this one. You know what? Shim, I think gets the bet, you know, gets the ball in his gut a little better. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it you know, not to put Windsor's rushing attack on the level of, of Western, but it kind of goes back to that conversation where it's like, well, shoot, when you can run the ball like that, you know, it's one thing where for Guelph, you don't have really much going offensively one way or the other. And then the kind of flip flop in of quarterbacks, it really stands out. It's a little bit, you know, easier to forgive that for Windsor when it's like, you know what they're finishing with? What is it on in total on the ground finishing with, uh, da, 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 da. Net rushing, net rushing, two sixty. Yeah, in that in that area. Sorry, math is not my specialty. But you know, another thing for Guelph that just going back to them, that's like, you know, I don't, I'm not remember this being a trend for them in, in, in recent years. But ten penalties, 148 yards, there alone at home. You know, you'd think that, especially coming off that loss at Western, which. You know, it should be noted they kept it close through the first half. Um, if that was a product of, you know, Western still kind of getting their stuff going, um, rather than Guelph sort of keeping up with them. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely for Guelph fans. I'd say the, the biggest thing for Guelph fans at this point is uh, two guys on defense that have yet to grace the field in Christian Stewart and Anthony Mortuzo. Um, you know, haven't appeared yet, but from what we've learned, um, probably to come back around mid year, um, which will obviously bolster the defense, but 
you know, even with the guys that got out there right now, I mean, you can't be giving up what they gave up on the ground to Windsor, but that's clearly not where the issue lies for Guelph. Um, and you know, no, and I think you look at look at what a team like uh, Ottawa. I mean, you know, Ottawa certainly didn't have a dominant offensive performance against them, let's say, but they did a lot better running the ball. You know, probably were slightly more committed to it, which helps. I mean, you know, really giving the backs uh, not as many carries. I mean, that's something that you know, <laughs> if you don't have, if you're not that confident in your quarterbacks, you know, maybe it is time to lean on that a bit more. I don't know, yeah. but this is a team in Windsor that was susceptible to the run last week, at least. So. Yeah, and you know it, the the disparity in the offenses look no further than the time of possession. Windsor thirty five thirty four uh, thirty minutes thirty five minutes thirty four seconds. That is time of possession. Guelph twenty three minutes thirteen seconds. Um, and it just felt like at times Guelph's offense was barely on the field. That defense is getting pounded and pounded by the run game of Windsor, and you have to imagine as the day got hotter uh, towards the end of that game, um, <laughs> hard to slow down that. Uh, you know, that absolute force of uh, a running back that, you know, Windsor looks to have. Um, you know, we kind of joked about Queens being the the last great hope of the OEA going into the uh, their game against Western next week. I mean, I know Tom was kind of saying despite Guelph's loss to Western, maybe they could still be competitive. You know, I, after this one, it's, it's going to be tough um, to say the least for them to, to bounce back. But obviously some key games on their schedule that can, you know, every week matters. And with teams that they're going to be competing with in the playoff hunt, uh, they can no doubt get themselves back in the race despite the 0-2 start. And they'll be taking their show on the road to Waterloo. Um, the Warriors coming off of the week two bye, coming off of the week one win against York. And then for Windsor... Windsor's getting the week three bye, so a chance to rest up those backs after two just tremendous weeks of uh, ground and pound action um, to uh, the tune of an almost 2-0 record um, and a very formidable win against a team that was top 10, uh, ranked top 10 nationally, which um, it hurts to say as a Guelph alum has definitely definitely had more to do with reputation. And I think it was in the Mac game, uh, the uh, announcers for that game were kind of poking some fun at the Griffins uh, for being ranked nationally in that one. Um, but yeah, well, that's well, uh, well, yeah. Those guys better be careful too, uh, throwing stones <laughs> from glass houses. Most definitely. Um, so we'll we'll see. I mean, I it's it's still so early. Obviously, seeing teams like Mac and Guelph struggle the way they have, despite Mac picking up the win. Um, U of T, I mean, let's roll, baby. Let's see what they got. Windsor, I mean, really impressive what they've shown so far. Uh, You know, what are you, you know, coming two weeks now in the books? um, What are you looking forward to kind of going into next week and just with the rest of the season right now? Uh, Obviously, it's development, you know, because I uh, look, I mean, we know kind of. where Western's at right now. Uh, maybe we feel like we have a good idea of what Queens is at right now, but I mean, next week's going to be a huge test in that regard. I mean, <laughs> you know, the last hopes, uh, you know, a lot of pressure, but, you know, going into that game, it's, it's you know, I, I don't think there'll be a ton of people picking Queens to win, um, you know, especially after kind of how the Yates Cup went down, but, you know, it's going to be really kind of see where, you know, what where the closest team is at, but, there's still a lot of time for teams to get better. Um, I mean, a team like Guelph, you know, they have issues. You know, we saw last year their offense get better, but in the end, obviously, kind of the same result. And now it's like, uh, 
without the continuity there, they're kind of, it feels like on the same path already. So it's just no bueno, but I think, you know, the teams kind of going forward. I mean, for me, it's Laurier and, and Toronto and kind of those two young quarterbacks to see kind of, you know, if those teams are, are legit or not, you know what I mean? Because I think, you know, a team like Laurier, because after Queens, I mean, at this point, we don't know. We, I feel like we don't know anymore. It could be Laurier, hell, it could be Ottawa, for example. You know what I mean? It, it kind of, you know, Carlton maybe we're a little down on right now, but a couple of weeks from now, who knows? We might be back on them as well. So, um, you know, all that to say, I don't really know, man, but <laughs> but, but I'm looking forward to, to watching it and uh, hopefully getting some more stuff wrong. So for uh for each question this week answered it uh it seemingly handed us back two more questions to get answered sometime down the line will it be next week will it be come the playoffs we don't know um but you know programming on a programming note real quick uh on wednesday you'll get week two of c to c our our u sports uh coverage show we're still looking for quebec uh, correspondent on that one if you or you know if you know anyone or if yourself would be a good person to give us the the the, the juice from Quebec on what's going on there um, and then Friday you'll get our week three preview so all stuff to uh, keep uh, yourself entertained going into week three and uh, we'll see how many questions will get solved there um, but we'll be here to talk to you then at the 55.